Need a few minutes to reset? Great Minds is a podcast from SBS that guides you through different meditation styles from around the world. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to SBS News. Dr. David Hassan is a neurosurgeon from North Carolina in the United States who has just returned from an international aid mission to Gaza. While he was there, he collected his thoughts in a daily diary, which has been published by his wife online. Now you're going to get to hear Dr. Hassan describe what he did, what he saw, and what he felt for those seven days he was on the ground. Day one is Monday, uh, I think it was Christmas Day. This uh, 12 hours uh, journey to Rafa crossing. Painful process at each uh, checkpoint. As we got closer to the crossing, miles and miles of 18 wheelers on four sides of the highway, the most inefficient way to transfer aid, days to get food and supplies across, sometimes one to two weeks. By the time the trucks cross the border, the food is spoiled. Day two, uh, Tuesday, cross Rafa, overwhelming welcome, total devastation observed as we drove. Sea of refugees and displaced families living in the premises of the two hospitals we visited. People are living in the hospital thinking these places are their best bed for safety. Over 100,000 people are living in and outside the two hospitals. Scores of injured people from mild to severe injuries, exhausted staff, a fooling quiet time during the daytime with no sounds of bombing or shooting. It felt safe for a few hours. Started operating on several burst fractures and head injuries. By sunset, the bombardment started and went on nonstop all night. So close, only two miles away. The first bombardment was so violent, I fell off my step stool, and the whole OR shook so badly. But we kept operating, operating nonstop. The noise of drones, machine guns, and bombing nonstop all night. But after four hours in the night, I became jaded to it. Finally finished operating and now to eat a couple of bites. People live and sleep in the hallway of hospitals. As I made my way to the to lay down, I couldn't walk in the hallway as people are sleeping on the floor. I finally fell asleep for two hours, but woke up every five minutes with the violent shaking of the hospital building. My sweetheart daughter She's a seven-and-a-half-year-old. On her own, bought toys and lollipops for the Palestinian kids as a Christmas gift. Gave a few of them to the injured kids, and the smiles on their faces was very priceless. They are so grateful. People are exhausted and emotionally drained. They need hope. The mission is for a peace. Day three. 
by 3 p.m., we finally caught up with the acute and subacute cases. Many patients with unsuspected burns almost look like phosphorus, but it's not. Food is very scarce. Water is a very valuable commodity. Access to bathroom is a privilege. Sanitation, even even within the hospital, reminds me of the slums of India. The healthcare is actively collapsing. No medications, chronic non-communicable diseases like kidney diseases, congestive heart failure, hypertension, infectious diseases, etc., are pushed back to the side to take care of the trauma. Then, by 3.30 p.m., we are rushed to Nasser Hospital, one of only two hospitals functioning in the south. It was attacked in the past, and the area around it, it was asked to be evacuated by the Israelis. Two waves of mass casualties. Only three survived, and the rest are dead or actively dying. This time, I had to operate on a kid, five-year-old girl, the only survivor of 37-member uh, family. People were falsely thinking there was a truce because there was no active bombing in the early evening. But to their dismay, it started again. This time, airplanes were used. People here are in despair for hope and humanity to help. Day four, horrible morning. Mass casualties had to pronounce a toddler dead. No one was with him. All of his family were dead and buried under the rebels. He was brought in thinking he could survive. But to my dismay, he died. I named him like if he was my own son, Jacob. Then I held him and wept for him. Another kid blown to pieces. Had to put him in black bag to keep the pieces together. Several kids with shrapnel, bullets, nothing operative today. They're all dead or close to being dead. Day five, Friday, many waves of mass casualties with heartbreaking individual stories. Healthcare colleagues were killed as they were traveling back and forth between Rafah and Khan Yunus, where the hospital located. One of them, he had just finished operating with me and left home. And two hours later, I saw his body in the emergency department. One particular story that tore, me, tore my heart to pieces is of three kids, 10, six, and one and a half year old, who witnessed the assassination of their parents in front of them in their own house because they didn't evacuate their house as the flyers and messages had instructed them. They have no extended family. They had lost them in the days prior. They just had each other. The 10-year-old instantly became the care provider for the six-and-a-half-year-old, the most brave and strong young girl ever seen. She never cried. She was comforting her siblings, telling them that their parents are in heaven, as she carried the one-and-a-half-year-old brother and hugging the six-year-old sister. But you could see the pain in her eyes as she was trying her best to hold it together for the sake of her siblings. 
day six, Saturday at 6 p.m., we heard the loudest bomb since we got to Hanyan. We thought it was one of the 2,000-pound bom bombs that was dropped, but a few minutes later, we found out it was a bomb fired at a neighborhood only 200 yards away from the hospital. The survivors were carrying the injured ones in piece of a cloth and rushing them to the emergency department. We received 11 injured ones, five died in the emergency department, three were rushed in their OR for amputations of their lower extremities, and two survived. The hospital has a maximum capacity of 250 beds and once considered one of the best hospitals in Gaza. But now it has over 1,200 patients all over the hospital, inside and outside, in addition to 10,000 people living in the hospital and approximately 40,000 in the premise of the hospital. The patients who have recovered refuse to leave their rooms or spots because their houses have been destroyed and the hospital is the safest place in Gaza. The room or that spot becomes the family new home. The good thing is the family members are the ones who transport patients to different spots in the hospital to get scans or even take them to and from the OR. By the afternoon, we had two emergencies that we needed to operate on, but the ORs are full again. They need to go now, but only one can go, and the other one has to wait. Who do I, I choose to operate on? And who do I let go? And how do I do that? I decided I will operate on both of them simultaneously in one room. So we rushed both of them to the OR with an instrument table in the middle. I went to go scrub quickly, but now there is no water. It's being cut off. I had to use my drinking water bottle to at least wash my hands to scrub. We did both cases. One died after the surgery. The other survived. The healthcare in Gaza is collapsing right in front of my eyes, and many more patients will die in addition to the trauma. I'm overwhelmed, I'm flustered, I'm helpless. This is the feeling of everyone. Day seven, constant bombardment of the immediate neighborhoods of the hospital. The hospital was shaken like a leaf in a storm. Waves of mass casualty. The only problem is that none ambulance or <clears throat> um, or injured person can move and be transferred to the hospital till the morning. Moving during the night is a death sentence. Any moving object is completely annihilated. So the injured have to stay where they are until 7, 8 a.m., then they are rescued and still alive because of that. 80 to 90% of all the casualties arrive dead or almost dead, non-salvageable. The UN, WHO, on the grounds, I use this harsh word, useless. They are actually obstructionists. Thousands of physicians and healthcare providers from around the world are eager to come to Gaza and help, but to my dismay, they directly or indirectly make it very difficult. This must change. Innocent infants, toddlers, children, women, elderly, and all are dying from injuries, communicable and non-communicable diseases. The healthcare system is 90% collapsed. 
My body crossed Rafa, but my soul, spirit, and heart are still with my gathering.